0: Hi, I'm Nancy Dufresne. Welcome to our podcast channel. We know you'll be blessed by today's message. We're so glad you've joined us today for Jesus the Healer broadcast. Listen, We invite you to get your Bible, get a notebook, get pen and paper, follow along with us, take some notes. We're in a real intimate setting. I've got some ministry friends here that have joined us and we're expecting something today. So we want you to watch Expecting Something. You know, expect that every time you sit under the word that something in you has changed. Expect that something greater light comes. Don't just uh, view a, a a, uh, a broadcast like this as usual expect a change and so we've been taking the last several weeks that we've been teaching and we've been calling it healing school And we're going through the uh, individual healings that took place under Jesus's earthly ministry. We're studying them verse by verse. We're breaking it down line by line because we're understanding if we will do what they did, we will get the results that they got. And so we don't want to just skim over these healing passages. We want to study them. The Holy Spirit had men of old to write and include these incidents of healing into the scriptures. We need to be a student of them. We need to become skillful with these passages. We need to gain knowledge of what is taught because if we do, we'll be able to receive healing and we'll be able to minister healing to someone else. So we invite you, join us. Just get a pen and paper because you don't want to lose the nuggets that come out of these teaching times. We're going to go today to Mark chapter 5 in verse 22. And I'm going to start reading out of the Amplified Translation. This is the passage when uh, Jairus comes to Jesus. And so let's read Mark chapter 5 verses uh, 22 through 35. And so it says this, uh, Then one of the rulers of the synagogue came up, Jairus by name, and seeing Jesus, he prostrated himself at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be healed and live. And Jesus went with him. And a great crowd kept following Jesus and pressed him from all sides so as to almost to suffocate him. While he was still speaking, verse 35, let's go down to verse 35, and while Jesus was still speaking, there came some from the ruler's house who said to Jairus, your daughter has died. Why bother and distress the teacher any further? Overhearing, but ignoring what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be seized with alarm and struck with fear, only keep on believing." And he permitted no one to accompany him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And when they arrived at Jairus's house, he looked carefully and with understanding at the tumult and the people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had gone in, he said to them, why do you make an uproar and weep? The little girl is not dead, but is sleeping. And they laughed and jeered at him, but he put them all out and taking the child's father and mother and those who were with him. He went in and where the little girl was lying, gripping her firmly by the hand, he said to her, Talithi kumai, which which translated is little girl, I say to you, arise from the sleep of death. And instantly the girl got up and started walking around for she was 12 years old and they were utterly astonished and overcome with amazement. And he strictly commanded and warned them that no one should know this. And he expressly told them to give her something to eat. What a passage. I want us to back up to verse 22. Let's start taking this passage apart verse by verse and studying it. Verse 22 says, Then one of the rulers of the synagogue came up, Jairus by name, and seeing Jesus, he prostrated himself at his feet. Now, remember that Jesus and his healing ministry seemed to be the least popular and the most opposed by the religious leaders of the day. Jairus would have been in this category. He was a prominent religious leader, one of the rulers of the synagogue, and he was so prominent that the word lists him by name. And that needs to be noted because uh, so much of the time they don't give you one of, the, one of the names of those who approached Jesus. But this shows how prominent Jairus was in that community. And notice his approach to Jesus. It says, Jairus humbled himself by prostrating himself at Jesus' feet. In full public view, he did this. Now think of that. Other religious leaders could have seen this. There's a crowd there. It's a it's a large crowd. In fact, the amplified says so much so that it was suffocating to Jesus that they pressed upon him. So Jairus approached Jesus, not wondering about who's going to see me, yes. who are yes. my who are my colleagues. Right may see me in this position because not everyone that was a leader agreed with Jesus and his ministry. So we see what Jairus is doing when he has this need. His daughter is at the point of death, but he puts his position and his influence at risk. Why? Because this could cost him for him to be approaching Jesus, worshiping Jesus, acknowledging Jesus publicly because those of his colleagues had spent so much time opposing him. That's right. And so he prostrates himself at Jesus's feet. Uh, what, is that, what does that give us the idea of? He's worshiping him. Yeah. He is submitting himself to him. This is always the appropriate approach to God to Jesus and to the word is an attitude of worship. That is the position that is going to put you in a receiving posture, so to speak. And so uh, when you see someone who is really worshiping from their heart, what you also can, uh, can assume is that they're teachable. They're hungry. They're humbling themselves. They're teachable. You can lead someone who is worshiping God. God can easily lead them because yes. worship is a posture of submission. Yes. You're submitting, and submission means you're willing to be led. That's right. So that means that you're teachable. Amen. So when you need a miracle, uh, like Jairus did, you come face to face with what's really important. Amen. His position in the synagogue is is not it's losing its influence over him, so to speak. Yeah, right. He's more interested that his daughter get her miracle. Yes. I tell you what, when you need a miracle, other things lose their their importance in your life. The less important shows themselves to be less important. So Jesus, Jairus placed his family above his prominence. And it matters matters. that there is that appropriate order and that right thinking. He placed his family above his prominence and above the position that he held in the eyes of others. He was admired, he was looked upon highly in that community in the eyes of others, but he was was willing to lay all of that down so that he could receive the miracle he needed. As the head of his home, Every man is the head of their, their family, and uh, as the head of his family, it is up to him to lead his family into a place where God can move and bless that family. He was leading them into faith, and it matters as head of the home that husbands are leading their families into a life of faith. Every man is the head of the home, but that doesn't mean that everything gets done your way in the home. That's not what being the head means. Being the head of the home means being the head of the family means you do what's best for everyone in the family. That's what that means. That's what we see Jairus doing. He's laying down, if we could say this, his career. He's laying down his, pr- his prominence. He's laying down his position and says, I will lead my family into a life of faith. He brought, he brought himself and really representing his whole family to the feet of Jesus. Amen. Amen. What's best for everyone in a home is that a spiritual life be given its proper place in that home. Amen. Amen. Every man should lead his family to Christ. Right. I said every man should lead his family to Christ. Every head of the home should lead his family in a life of faith. Yes. And you say, well, that, that isn't the system of my home. Well, then you come to Christ and you live a life of faith. And don't be concerned about who else isn't doing what. <laughs> don't, don't be concerned. You just, you just do all you know to do regarding the word. Verse 23, and it says, and Jairus begged him earnestly saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be healed and live. So notice Jairus is telling Jesus what he's facing. He's describing the situation that his daughter is in. She's at the point of death. That's not speaking doubt and unbelief to acknowledge what it is that you're facing. Right. That's right. Right. Yes. That, that's not, that doesn't mean you're, in, you're not in faith. Right. Just to know what you're, you have to know what you're facing. Yes. <laughs> yes. You need yes. to be sober yes. about what you're believing God for. Yes. Amen. Yes. So he states what he's facing. He states what the need is. But listen to this, when you are face, when you state and acknowledge what the need is, you always have to follow it up with what you believe about that Amen. situation. Right. And this is what Jairus did. He stated his need, but then he also stated what he believed Amen. about his That's need. Right. Yes. And so he said, my little daughter's at the point of death. Amen. He's stating his need. And then he says, come. Lay your hands on her so that she may be healed and live. That's what he believes. That's a faith statement. He's saying that when Jesus lays his hands on her, that she will, she'll live. That she'll be healed and she'll live. He hasn't seen the daughter healed. He hasn't seen the daughter raised up. So he is saying what he believes. He's not saying what he sees. Amen. Amen. This is one of the things that is so important to understand about the life of faith is you have to say what you believe before you see what it is you're believing for. So many times people want to see their situation change and then they'll be glad to say it. But the, the law of faith is you say what you believe and then what you say brings what you need into manifestation. Romans chapter 10 and verse 10, and I'll just quote it to you. It says, For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth Mm -hmm. confession is made unto salvation. Or we could say this confession is made unto manifestation. Salvation is really the manifestation of anything you need from God, Right? right? Because in this word of salvation is not just uh, eternal life of going to heaven and being born again. It's healing, it's deliverance, it's prosperity. Salvation is the whole of what God has provided. And so uh, we we see this in Romans 10, verse 10, that faith has to be in two places. It has to be in your heart and it has to be in your mouth. So it's not enough to have it in your heart you also have to say it with your mouth. Yes. Yes. Jesus didn't say that he'll have whatsoever he believeth. Yes. Mark eleven twenty three. 23, yes. Jesus said he'll have whatsoever he saith. Yes. See, what you believe is in your heart, but you've got to put what you believe in your heart in your mouth. Yes. That's how you get the faith that's in your heart active. Yes. Yes. That's how you spend the faith that's in your heart. So faith has to be in two places. And we see this with Jairus, it was in two places. It was in his heart. He believed it because he's looking at the death of his daughter, potentially. And yet he still comes to Jesus because he believes Jesus has his help and his answer. And he says before he sees any change in his daughter's life, she'll be healed and she'll live. She'll be healed and she'll live. He's got good doctrine. He's got a grasp on what Jesus has been teaching. He's heard Jesus and he grasped it. Others rejected it, but he grabbed it. I tell you what, when you have a need in your life, it'll help you grab. It'll help you grab help. It'll help you grab grab truth. Verse 24, it says this, And Jesus went with him. So notice, right words brought Jesus yes. into his yes. into his path. Yes. Yes. That's right. Amen. Amen. Jairus believed right, he spoke right, and as a result, right. Jesus went with him. What's this show us? Jesus always responds to faith. Yes. Always. There's never a time that we are expressing or exercising Bible faith and he doesn't respond. Right. He always responds yes. to right. faith. Amen. Amen. I love what one minister said. He said, God will pass over a million people just to get to the one with faith. We say that's us, right? right. (laughs) We say we're faith people. We live a faith life and it's by choice. It's not by feeling. We choose a faith life. Why? Because Jesus always responds to faith. Now, verse 35 says, while he was speaking, there came some from the ruler's house and said to Jairus, your daughter has died. Why bother and distress the teacher any further? So we know that they don't believe the same thing Jairus believed. They believe now that all of this has reached an end, your daughter is dead. Jesus no longer is needed. Now he's really needed. (laughs) So in route, Jesus stops to hear and right in the middle of this testimony is the testimony of another miracle. The woman with the issue of blood Mm -hmm. has stopped Jesus on the way to Jairus's house. She's been healed and Jairus is standing there the whole time while basically a, a mini healing service is going on, a testimony service is going on. And Jairus is not pressing upon Jesus. Hurry, we've got to get to the house. Hurry, hurry. Why? Because faith is never uneasy. Amen. Very good. Amen. Faith is not panicked. Amen. Faith is not anxious. Faith isn't pushing things and trying to make them happen. Yes. And so Jairus is, he's got Jesus coming to his house and in route, this woman gets healed on the way. And Jesus says, and notice, notice about Jesus. He's not anxious either. He's not thinking we could better hurry up and get there before she dies. doesn't matter. When life walks in, the dead and the living are affected. Right? Jesus took all the time he needed. And he said, I want to hear the testimony of this woman with Yeshua blood that got healed. So Jairus had the opportunity to let his mind start getting active but but we don't have any record that he did that what a, what a blessing what is it he's believing God for a miracle for his own daughter and he gets to see a healing of a woman this would fortify his faith fortify him you know when you're believing God get around a place where you can hear the testimonies of what God has done for others it will fortify your faith So this messenger arrived and let Jairus know that the daughter has died. Now you can imagine those words could just on the natural man could cause a a real sense of fear, anxiety, panic. Mm -hmm. And I love how the Amplified states verse 36. Here they've just received this message that the daughter has died and it says overhearing but ignoring what they said, yes. Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be seized with alarm. Don't be struck with fear. Only keep on believing. Yes. So I, I love that Jesus wasn't uh, cautious. About this situation. Oh my goodness, she's already died. Overhearing but ignoring what they said. You're going to hear what the devil says. You're going to hear a negative report. You're going to hear and feel circumstances. But true faith just ignores them and keeps on believing. You ignore it and you just keep on believing. Amen. 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 Have you ever started believing God for something and it seems like the problem escalated? Well, this is what Jairus is at. It looks like the testimony has escalated. She's no longer at the point of death. She's dead. And the situation escalated. And Jesus said, what do you do when problems escalate? Keep on believing. Don't be struck with fear. Don't allow fear in. What did Jesus know about the strategy of the enemy? That when you're believing God, fear comes. And it's going to try to gain an entrance into your into your thinking and impair your believing. But Jesus knows he doesn't he doesn't rebuke the messenger, the messenger's not the problem that said, you know, if a doctor says that you have, you know, an incurable disease, it's not your job to change his confession, he's not the problem. He's not the enemy. Jesus didn't even try to address what the messenger said. He is speaking to Jairus to hold him in faith. And he says, do not be alarmed. Do not be struck with fear. Why? Fear is the enemy to faith. Fear is the opposite of faith. And he's telling him, you cannot yield to, you can't yield to the enemy by yielding to fear. Listen, fear can produce a feeling, can't it? Oh, yeah. yes. Panic, anxiety is the feeling of fear. And And uh, at a time like this, Jesus knew fear can produce a feeling for Jairus. And, and he's not telling him, don't feel it. He's saying, don't yield to it. Don't yield to it. Yeah. The opportunity to fear comes to all of us. Yes, the opportunity to panic comes to all of us. It's not wrong that you feel it. You only feel it because it came. Right. You didn't yeah. feel it because you received it. Amen. Just because you can feel it doesn't mean you received fear. Amen. That very good. Is so good. Amen. Yes. So Jesus says to him, don't be alarmed. Don't be seized with fear. Yes. Resist fear that comes. It comes to all of us. Just because it came doesn't mean your faith isn't working. Just because fear comes doesn't mean the word isn't working. Jesus was standing there and fear showed up. While Jesus is standing there with Jairus, fear showed up. So just because it shows up doesn't mean Jesus isn't still occupying. It doesn't mean that the word isn't working. It doesn't mean that faith isn't present. It doesn't mean that faith isn't working. And the devil will try to tell you that just because you feel fear, you must not have faith. That's a lie. That's a lie. The faith is in your heart. Just keep believing. I love, this is one of my favorite stories that my spiritual father, Dad Hagen, would tell. He was talking about the time when uh, as a younger minister, he was walking through his house and he was occupied with uh, thinking about some situation that had arisen. Mm-hmm. And it was a troubling situation. And he's walking through his house and the enemy says to him, he says, you're in fear now, I got you. Because fear and faith aren't moving together. Right. You can't be in fear and in faith. Right. Yes. Amen. And so, uh, Dad Hagen, of course, a wonderful faith teacher, he understood the place that faith has. He understood that fear is an enemy to faith. Mm -hmm. So here he is in his home, and the devil said, I've got you now, you're in fear. Look at your hands, your hands are shaking. And he looked down, and his body was physically shaking from the suggestions, the threats of fear that this circumstance presented. And I love what he said. He said, devil, my hands may be shaking, my body may be shaking, but my spirit is the real me and my spirit's not shaking. See, just because the body can feel something, you're not a body, you're a spirit. I don't know if you've ever driven a car and somebody pulled out in front of you or somebody in front of you slammed on their brakes real quick and you look up and You're real close to them and you slam on your brakes and you didn't hit them. But after that, the body's shaken. What is that? The adrenaline of that moment, the body starts responding to that moment, but you didn't even hit them. That's the same thing that fear can do to the body in the sense of the devil will suggest something and the body can feel the presence of that. You know, it says in Psalm 23, uh, the Lord is our shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Verse five said this, thou preparest a table before me. Listen this, in the presence of mine enemies. The enemy is present. He's present in the earth. But just because he's present doesn't mean he's winning. And just because he's present doesn't mean you're believing him. And just because he's present doesn't mean your faith isn't working. As I said, Jesus was here with Jairus and fear showed up right where Jesus was and Jesus ignored it. There can come such a place that you're so conscious of the Father. You're so conscious of the power that's for you and in you that when you sense something other than God, you can just turn your back to it and just keep going. That is an answer that you that is one form of answering fear that is one form just turning your back and walking off unaffected will not believe it not breaking stride of faith just keep on going Jesus showed us how he dealt with fear he ignored it amen amen it got none of his attention you can answer it but this was his answer to ignore it was was an answer to it. So now he's got to make sure that if he's to continue on his journey with Jairus, that he's got to keep Jairus in faith too. So he tells him how to handle fear. Don't let it in. Just because it comes doesn't mean it has to get in. Do not be seized with alarm and struck with fear. Now look at this phrase. He says, only keep on believing. He didn't tell him keep on feeling. Yes. You're going to feel something. Don't worry about the feeling. Right. It's, it's, yeah. This is up to what you believe, not up to what you feel. Amen. So he says, keep on believing. Notice this. Believing is not a one-time action. It's something we keep on doing. Yes. Yeah. It it's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. Yeah. Keep on believing. Yeah. Well, what is he to keep on believing? Believe what he said when he first came to Jesus. Right. Right. You yes. come to my house. You lay your hands on my daughter. She shall be healed and she shall live. That's what he's telling him. Keep on believing that. Keep on believing what you first said. Why does fear come? Why does circumstances come? To get you off of what you already said in faith. To get you to back up of off your faith confession. And Jesus instructed him, just keep on believing. You don't have to back up. Don't no. doubt what you said. Right. What you said will still work for you. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Remember Hallelujah. Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty three, 23, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Right. The only way that can change is if we quit saying it. That's right. That's right. The more we say it, the more we have it. The less we say it, the less we have it. Because we shall have whatsoever we say. And this is what he encourages Jairus. Keep on believing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, become a partner, or visit our online store. This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries.